back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. And on today's episode, we will be joined by ESPN's new college football senior writer, a man who will be doing occasional stories on college game day, who will be visible on ESPN digital platforms, radio, TV, Pete Thamel, who joins ESPN after his time at Yahoo, Sports Illustrated, the New York Times, and he is a distinguished reporter a man that will be bringing much of the college football world to you in the coming years. And we will look ahead to this weekend's divisional playoff matchups. Bengals at Titans, 49ers at Packers, Rams at Buccaneers, and Bills at Chiefs. But before we go on to those previews and Pete Thamel, first a little look back at the events that occurred this weekend during the wildcard round. Now let me say this. When the matchups were being set on the final Sunday night of the regular season, when the Raiders and Chargers were playing for the final playoff spot, and finally we saw the games that would be set up for wildcard weekend, the one game that jumped out to me right away was the 49ers at the Cowboys. And literally, as soon as the matchups came across the NBC screen that night, I got on the phone with ESPN Travel. And booked my flight. I said, I want a flight on Sunday about 3, 3.30 so that I could be on that flight to Los Angeles for the Monday night Rams-Cardinals game so that I can see that 49ers-Cowboys game. I booked the flight around the broadcast of the 49ers-Cowboys game that Troy Aikman, as we know, didn't get to broadcast this past weekend. And so they had a 3.30 flight on JetBlue which I was thrilled to book across the country from New York to LA. And so the Sunday countdown show ends this past Sunday, one o'clock, get in a cab, go to John F. Kennedy airport, board my jet blue flight, sit down in my seat. And I went to go put on the end of the Eagles Buccaneers game on Fox, but we could not get Fox on the jet blue flight. It was all unwatchable, like distorted images, crazy bad graphics, bad look, couldn't see it. So I watched it on my phone, the end of that game. And then when that game ended, I flipped over to CBS, but it kept saying on the screen, this channel is unavailable. And when I first saw it, I got a little alarmed. I'm not going to lie. And then as we began to taxi and take off and I still couldn't get it. And it still said, as we were in the sky, this channel is unavailable. I began to get very upset and panicked. And all I could say is that if Nickelodeon had not been carrying the 49ers Cowboys game, my blood pressure would have skyrocketed and gone through the roof. Now, Nickelodeon was carrying the game and it quickly dawned on me that I would not be watching Tony Romo and Jim Nance, but instead be watching Nate Burleson, Ian Eagle, Young Dylan on the Nickelodeon broadcast. So this is where we were, flying across the country for plans I made, and I watched the game on Nickelodeon. Now, let me say this. My daughter works on Nickelodeon on Slime Time during the week, does interviews each week with a different player. She's their correspondent, I guess we call her, and they do an incredible job. And the job they did at this broadcast was off the charts. Nate Burleson is phenomenal. Young Dylan, that kid, he's a star. That kid is so impressive. And the play-by-play man for that broadcast Noah Eagle, the son of Ian Eagle, is ridiculous. He's 24, 
and he is so talented. He's a 24-year-old Iron Eagle, and I could not believe how good he was. The broadcast itself was phenomenal. But when I'm flying across the country and I want to get analysis of what's going on, I wasn't ready for three hours, three and a half hours of Nick. Okay. And I love the network and I love and admire the job that they all did. Like when Nick Bosa went down, it was mentioned, oh, Nick Bosa's hurt. He's hurt. What's the deal? He's so important to the 49ers defense. Is he going to be all right? Well, I don't know. He went out of the game. We never saw. They're not going to show kids any updates of a hurt player. Fred Warner, the 49ers, great linebacker, so important to their goes out of the game. What did he have? I don't know. Never saw it. Again, not part of the broadcast. And on the game deciding drive, they were talking about what superpowers you'd like to have. Would you rather teleport yourself or be invisible? Now, those are phenomenal topics for kids. Great. Loved it. Admire the broadcast. But I did not get to hear Tony Romo exclaim that Dak Prescott failed to hand the ball to the official who had to touch the ball before it could be placed down, and therefore the game was over. We were talking about teleporting and being invisible. So while Nickelodeon put on a phenomenal broadcast for kids, it was not what I was expecting to see when I booked that flight across the country. And as soon as I landed and got back to reality and heard everybody talk about the Dallas Cowboys in that one play where they could not get the ball spotted, I can't believe that everybody was so focused on that one play. I get it at the end of the game. But this is a Dallas Cowboy team that lost at home against the Vegas Raiders on Thanksgiving, lost in the regular season finale against the Arizona Cardinals. If they had won one of those games, they very well might have been playing with a higher seed and hosted the Philadelphia Eagles, an easier matchup rather than hosting the San Francisco 49ers. This is a Dallas Cowboy team that was the most penalized team in the NFL that had 14 penalties that day that allowed five sacks and didn't get a single sack of their own. They allowed almost 100 more rushing yards than they got for themselves when they have Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. This is a Dallas team that had seven points going into the fourth quarter that couldn't get anything going, that couldn't stop Debo Samuel. And we're focused in on one play at the end of the game that might have given them a Hail Mary from the 24-yard line. Let's look at all the other failures that this Cowboy team had to put itself in the position it was. So it was a rough day for the Dallas Cowboys. It was not exactly easy for me flying across the country, but this is where we wound up on that day. It all worked out in the end. And now we look ahead to this weekend's divisional playoff matchups which we will preview on the backside of our conversation with ESPN's new college football senior writer, the great Pete Thamel. Is this the college football senior writer for ESPN? That's that's I guess that's what they're calling me. So the guy still doesn't like have an email address, but you know, <laughs> trying to figure it out. No ESPN email address yet, Pete? I have one. I just I'm going there tomorrow and I think we're just going to kind of solve a lot of the like logistical things. But yeah, it's been it's been good so far. I could have spent the last 48 hours just talking to ESPN. It's like the web of it all is, I don't want to say intimidating, but it's a little overwhelming, you know? So it's let me say this to you. Yeah. It took me a long time to get senior in my title. I think I had to work <laughs> at ESPN for like 10 plus years before Mort was ready to relinquish that senior title. And Mort's very senior, so they could make me senior. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how it worked, right? With Mort being very senior yep. and having senior moments, they had no problem giving me the senior NFL insider title. 
Yeah. It took me a long time to get what you were hired as, which is a compliment <laughs> to your great abilities there, Pete. Well, thank you. I, uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's just been fun to like see my name on the bottom line. And, uh, yeah, that was like passing text to me last night. Uh, something, something I broke yesterday popped up there and that was pretty cool to see. And, uh, yeah, I waited for it the other day. I broke Louisville hired an offensive coordinator Saturday. So that was kind of my first one. So I was fired up and, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been good. So what was it like to see your name on the ESPN bottom line for the first time, Pete? It was, it was pretty cool, man. It was pretty cool. It was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was neat. I was, I was excited. You know, I, I remember seeing my name in print for the first time in a oh, byline sure. back yeah. in a college newspaper for the Michigan daily, 1985, November of 1985. I wrote a story about a former Michigan Wolverine by the name of Wally Tenaga. And it's, you know, you're sort of losing your newspaper virginity and it's something you never forget. Sure. Your entire life. Wally Tenaga. Why would that name be so fresh in my mind? But it is. And I guess in the 2022 world, seeing your name on the ESPN bottom line would be the equivalent of that kind of thing. The same feeling and phenomena that I had staring at that newspaper. And I'm just telling you, I think back to my old prior world mm-hmm. where you're not a father and you're mm-hmm. not working for ESPN. You're not babysitting your beat, which is what you're doing. You're going to have a baby and you're going to be babysitting the college <laughs> football world, which you've always done. But yeah. now there are going to be more eyes and more sure. focus on what you're doing. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's certainly uh, exciting. It's certainly a little bit intimidating, right? As you uh, as you, as you look at the scope of, uh, of of what you do and how it's uh, and how it's how it's broadcast. So, yeah, that is uh, it, it, it. Will be uh, I will I will certainly probably be accompanied with bags under my eyes <laughs> as people start to see. Me. Uh, that's uh that's new but it's all it's all really exciting it is is certainly going to be a month here uh certainly going to be a month pete my sources tell me that to celebrate your arrival at espn your wife is purchasing you a nose hair trimmer yes that, those are good sources that was purchased that was uh, that was like the day the contract was signed the button was hit on amazon she was like is that she was like here 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 you go so it was actually suggested I, I give it a little spritz the other day because it had been about a month since I uh, since since I got it. So yes, the uh, my wife Kate works in fashion um, and uh, she's a fashion buyer, and so that uh, the, the forward facing piece, which I probably not paid particular attention to or as much as I should, is going to be minded professionally going uh, going forward. Here. I would imagine that some people who arrived at ESPN they upgrade their wardrobe. You, the first thing you did was upgrade your nose hairs, <laughs> or eliminated them. Really, uh, <laughs> I think I think she wanted me to have one for a while, and this offered an excuse. If you really want to know, so. well, well, well. Let me let me guess what's next. Are you going to get a facial and going to get your eyebrows repaired? You know, fixed up and and and. It would take a weed whacker to take care of these eyebrows. So, <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you feel about transitioning from a job? that you've done so well for so long, by and large in print, to now continuing to write for ESPN.com, but also doing it on television and the radio? You know, I feel energized by the challenge. Uh, I think last year was my 18th year covering National College football. I'm going to have to like get fingers and toes out and do the, and do the math. And I did it at, obviously, the, the New York Times, Sports Illustrated, and Yahoo, all awesome places to work that I really, uh, that I really love. And I think, Adam, that just, again, 
it's not boring. College sports are never boring. It is beautiful chaos every day. Everything about it is so quintessentially American sports. It's a blast. Um, but there weren't a lot of new things at a certain point where it's like another round of realignment or another change in the playoff or, you know, another Alabama national title or national title run. Right. Um, so I just think having a new forum to tell stories uh, in, a, in a different vehicle, in a different way, and maybe do some video storytelling, uh, maybe utilizing information in, in different ways other than uh, other than Twitter and uh, it just kind of mastering a new skill, quite frankly, it's going to be just something that I've been on television and done video uh, Yahoo, you know, did plenty of sort of video hits for them. But I just think like really that becoming a, a part of what I do is, is going to be a, a really fun challenge. Uh, I know enough about that space to know that it's not hard to be okay, but it's hard to be great. And it's going to take a lot of reps and a lot of coaching. Uh, I've ever had very many people at ESPN volunteered to be my uh, coaches uh, on that stuff. So, uh, you know, Jeff Passon has been great uh, giving advice. Woj has obviously been uh, awesome in, uh, in that space. So yeah, there will be a, uh, there will be a learning curve. And the difference here is that there's uh, uh, no delete button for your mistakes, right? If you, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. if you misspell Tuyasa Sopo or, you know, the equivalent of that on the air is a little bit, uh, a little bit different. I also got to get better at pronouncing people's names too. So, Well, you, you know, I will say this to you. I first got on ESPN, August, 2009. If you want a laugh, you and Kate want to really laugh hard, <laughs> go back and listen to the clip. Just put in, in mm. Google, Adam Schefter coughing fit. Oh boy. Oh boy. And what will come up will be a clip that I was on with Sage Steele at the time. Okay. In my first couple of weeks at ESPN. And it sounds like this. Former Eagles QB AJ Feely signed by the Panthers last night to back up Jake DeLome. DeLome has thrown nine picks in his last two games going back to the playoff loss to the Cardinals. Should he be looking over his shoulder, Adam? Well, he's really struggled here <clears throat> in Carolina. There's no question about uh, sorry, Sage. Sorry, Adam. <clears throat> Take a glass of water there, Adam Schefter. It's all right. This is what happens when we have Adam Schefter on 24-7 here on Sports Center. You back, Adam? <clears throat> we, you know what? We're going we're gonna to give him a break. Poor Adam Schefter. Back in just a bit with more on A.J. Feely and also the situation in Chicago with Brian Urlacher out. And so what happened that day, Pete, was this. I had been on air so much. They were putting me on morning, noon, and night. And at that very moment, I was like biting one of my nails and it got caught in my throat. <laughs> okay. As I'm going on. And well, you just heard the sound. Anybody that hears that today laughs because it's sure. that funny. It's unbelievable how embarrassing it was. And so whenever we're upset in my house, we just Google Adam Schefter coughing fit. And you have to avoid moments like that, Pete. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You have to avoid moments like what have been some of the tips that people at ESPN have given you about your transition to a more regular television job? Uh, take coaching, uh, which I'm very open to doing. There's no there's no resistance here to uh, to coaching. Jeff, uh, Jeff passed that on, uh, said, you know, sometimes maybe you might be like, oh, I don't need a, you know, I believe the, per the term is performance coach. And I don't know what I don't know. So if that title's wrong, uh, for, forgive me. Um, and they just said, to, there's a lot of, it's a big company, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of, so I'm trying to actively, Drew Gallagher has been a big help, uh, just actively learn 
the org chart and who's who and who's going to be reaching out to what and, and, and go through that. So it, it is something that almost I feel like needs to be experienced as much as like you can, if I memorized it, it's really not going to help. So just understanding all the, all the different people in different layers and uh, yeah, and excited to work with them all because obviously these are all people who are the best in the field at what they do. So um, yeah, it, but it, there will be a learning curve and I, I do think people will be very, uh, very eager to, uh, eager to check. And I need social media help too. My Instagram account is pretty lame. I'm not a big front facing guy. So there's like, it's basically a bunch of empty stadiums. Like when I get to a game, I take a picture <laughs> of it. I call it empty stadium series and I just haven't put a lot else on Instagram. So yeah, that was, I was not so subtly told that that needs to be upgraded by uh, who told by you that, who told you that Woj did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, most can be blunt. That's, you know, so that was, I was like, all right, got to get the social media upgraded. And uh, yeah, obviously there was a great team uh, for that, that to help with that too. So um, that's, that's now, now, don't you have a notebook of little tips that people are giving you over the course of the last week or two since it's come out that ESPN hired you? There's, there's mostly mental notes, but yes, I, uh, I'm certainly, uh, I'm, I'm going, so we're taping this obviously on uh, Tuesday afternoon. I'm going down to Bristol on, on Wednesday for some version of a car wash. And so I think, uh, I, I think at least a lot of it, it, you know, names on papers and names on emails and names on text messages. And so many people have reached out. I mean, gosh, so many people have been so welcoming yourself at the forefront, but just too many to name, but it's just been, you know, people from the different networks, you know, the, the, the difference in college than in, in the NFL is like, there's the ACC network, there's the SEC network. There's just, you know, there's a bunch of different layers to go along with the, with the, with the, with the other layers. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let me tell you this. They are going to ride you and ride you hard. And you're going to enjoy the ride. It's unbelievable. But at some point, you're going to want to have a coughing fit. You're going to want to take a moment to yourself. It's going to be very crazy. I think back to when I got hired in August of 2009. Have, have you had or have they told you that you have to go through orientation yet, Pete? Good question. Uh, I think I think some of that may be virtual now. Okay, well, you know, it, when I was doing orientation, they made plans for me to come up to orientation. My first day was Monday, August 19th, 2009. So the plan was to drive to Bristol. 
Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. on August 20th, I was going to go through orientation. Okay. On Monday morning, as I was driving up to Bristol from New York, Brett Favre took off from Mississippi to land in Minnesota to go sign with the Vikings. And I'm doing live. Was that a big story at the time? Was that a big story? (laughs) If Brett Favre was mowing his lawn and zooming past Ed Roeder on his front lawn, it was a big story. The next day when I was supposed to do my orientation at 9 a.m., I showed up at the front door about 8.50, right above the cafe. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I get a text. Hey, we need on sports center. Plexco Burris just got arrested and charged oh, with shooting off the, the gun. gun. Yeah. yeah. The gun incident where he got suspended. So I said to the orientators, excuse me, I have to go do sports center. And 12 and a half, 13 years later, I still have not had my orientation. <laughs> we just You're welcome it. to tag along tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure there's nothing going on right now in the NFL. So we can, well, uh, yeah, it, well, I can assure you that as soon as I sat down for that orientation session, that one NFL team would be hiring a head coach or general manager for its head coaching position, and I would have to leave that job immediately. So that that's not going to happen. Now, one of the reasons, maybe the main reason that ESPN hired you is your long track record of distinguishing yourself with your college football reporting. You've had innumerable scoops through the years, innumerable stories. Is there one story to you that means more than others? Because you had a hell of a run this year, right? I don't know when your deal with ESPN got done, didn't get done, doesn't matter. But your, your run here uh, at the end of the year into the new year was prolific, Pete, prolific. Thank you. I, uh, I, I appreciate that. I, you know, there's a couple of stories that stand out when you when you kind of look back and they're different, right? Like breaking a story is much different than like, you know. I, there's a lot more gratification for me out of some of the, the longer stories that I've done, you know, the, like the deeper dives and, and getting to know folks. And I think one that resonated this hmm. year that resonated in the college world, probably more than NFL was uh, I, I did a, a big story back. must have been oh seven or oh eight at the at the New York Times on Colt Brennan. Do you remember Colt? Of course he died. Yeah. This year. Yes. And he passed away this year. And it. It was, uh, you know, I went to Y for a couple of days and, you know, body surfed with him, like really spent like a bunch of time, got to know him. And uh, he had such a special relationship with the state of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really took him in after he transferred from Colorado and embraced him. And it was really like the, the power of college football to me is the, the connection of team and community. That's just like completely different uh, than anywhere else. Like this morning, I broke a story about Kerry Combs going from Ohio State to Cincinnati. He's the former defensive coordinator. And I, I laughed as I was uh, I was as I was walking down the street today because I was like, in, in professional sports, a fan base's relationship with an assistant coach does yeah. not exist in the same way it does in college football. Like, like most fans, like I live in Boston, if you ask the Patriots fans who their corners coach was, they would have no idea. Right. right? Like they would just have no idea. And this story got thousands of likes on Twitter. Like it just, you know, cause people know Kerry Combs is from Cincinnati. He's a high school coach in Cincinnati. Wow. Was like, and that's, yeah, no, it's, it's really one of the things that I really like about college sports is that there is just a, you, you know, some of these, just a position coach. Cause these guys recruiting all the players. I mean, Kerry Combs is credit. He recruited uh, Marshawn Lattimore and he's had seven first round picks. He either at, at corner that he either recruited or uh, developed at, at Ohio State. I think he inherited Bradley Roby, who was obviously an excellent player. But he's like, you know, Gary on Conley. Um, he helped bring in Akuda. Um, you know, like really like big, big time guys. So 
and he's from Cincinnati, was a great high school coach there, coached under Brian Kelly and Butch Jones there. So, like, the, the fan base celebrated, like, they won a bowl game just getting Kerry Combs. And yeah. that's just, like, that, to go back to Cole Brennan, like, that connection between fan bases and teams is just on a very different level in college. And it's it's hard to explain because, like, the minutia of your world is the cap and free agency and, you know, there's just that, like, where a lot of your energy and focus goes to. Some of the tenants are the same, right? There's wins and losses and coaching searches and hirings and firings. But in college, it's a, the, the recruiting piece of it becomes the offseason wins and losses. And, and the fan bases really get connected to these guys. So um, I guess if I had to pick one story off, off the top of my head, because I've thought a lot about, about Colt Brennan when he, uh, when he passed uh, late last year. It, that, that one just stands out in my mind is I – I was appreciative to get the chance to uh, tell the story of how Hawaii fell in love with him and he fell in love with Hawaii. Yeah. You know, you could see in our jobs stories that resonate and stories that don't resonate. Right. And I'll give you an example over the weekend. I never would have imagined this, but we did a story on Jerome Boger and the crew that made the call, the missed call in the Cincinnati Raiders game where there was the whistle that occurred during the play. So on Sunday morning, I was talking with some of my producers. We're going over the play, the league's reaction. I make some calls. Well, it turns out that basically it's not really a new story per se, because officials that work the wild card round rarely work another postseason game, but sometimes they do well enough Mm -hmm. and they get graded that they get an additional assignment. Well, in this particular case, that officiating crew on Saturday did a poor enough job that they're going to be downgraded and they're not going to work again, this postseason, nobody's going to really say that on the record. Nobody's going to tell me that, but I wrote it up. It was just adding one plus one plus one. It's just obvious. He's not going to work sure. again this postseason. Yeah. We put a headline on it, put out the story. It's true. It's all factually accurate. Yeah. Well, I got an email note from one of our editors on Monday morning. Thank you for sending the Jerome Borger story. It got 3.6 million views which will make it one of the top 15 or 20 stories in 2022 on the ESPN digital platforms. Now, I never would have imagined that a Jerome Boger missed call that crew not working again, this post would ever resonate like that. But that was the email I got. I was shocked. Right. But you can see in our job, certain times, certain individuals, certain storylines always trigger a very strong reaction. And the longer you do this, that's one of the, things that social media allows you to do you can see what matters to people and what doesn't matter to people correct oh yeah no it is definitely uh it and it doesn't take long right you know within three minutes basically of of whether something is going to reverberate and whether it's uh whether it's not and as a writer uh, you probably agree this there are times i think oh this is going to be Really interesting. And other times, not as interesting. And something you don't think is interesting, like a Jerome Boger kind of throwaway story, takes off, which I never would have expected like that. And sometimes you think something's bigger than it is, and it just kind of, right, pitters out. I've always found officiating stories, Adam, resonate. People are fascinated by officials because they're not covered much, and it's sort of this, like, device. Everyone has an opinion on the officials, right? Nobody is like, (laughs) you know, they're they're just such lightning rods that – you know, even if you like tweet about a call or whatever, that just, you know, strikes a fan base's energy in a, in a certain way. And, uh, you know, there's been stories written about officials over the years that I know just that, that have really yeah. kind of 
reverberated. It's it's an interesting. Uh, it's it's It makes you almost think we should cover the officials a little bit more. You know, like just because because people do, and certainly a bad call in a playoff game or a phantom call in a playoff game. I, I imagine if that did three million, imagine what the Saints officiating stories would have done uh, back a couple of years ago in the in the title game. Uh, you know, on the on the on the 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 miss pi call. So yeah, that's. Uh, there's an ambiguity around officiating that people cling to. It almost makes it like perfect talk radio. Was it a foul? Was it not a foul? Was it a hold? Was it not a hold? It, it, it just sort of allows an avenue and a window for, uh, for, for people who care on both sides. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pete, uh, the upcoming quarterback class in the NFL draft class is regarded as not one of the better ones. You know college football as well, better than anybody. Give me your assessment of this upcoming quarterback draft class and a guy or two that you think might be better than people realize or a guy or two that might not be as good as people think that they are. Sure. So uh, the, the, the clear top quarterback in this class is, uh, is Kenny Pickett of Pitt. Uh, he's a guy who stuck around. He would have been a third, fourth round guy last year. And he very wisely uh, stayed for an extra season, learned under Pat Narduzzi and Mark Whipple, the, the OC there. And, you know, Kenny Pickett through, you know, one of the more prolific recent seasons in college football history, uh, you know, 67% completion rate, over 4,000 passing yards, 42 touchdowns, really established himself as the, as the leader to be, uh, to be QB1. Um, now it's not like a Andrew Luck clear or Trevor Lawrence clear to be, to be QB one. Um, but it is, uh, amid this middling crop of quarterbacks, um, it, you know, he, he did establish himself, uh, as that he's not a big time athlete. He can move a little bit and he can, you know, wriggle free in the pocket. He has good instincts, but he's certainly not a runner. You're not going to run, uh, more than one, maybe zone read for him a game. Like he's, you know, he can keep you honest with his legs, but he's not, uh, He's not, he's not super dynamic. The, the, the guy that I, I'm most curious to see how the NFL views is Malik Willis of Liberty. Uh, he is an unbelievably dynamic player and he played in sort of one of these super tempo Baylor style, uh, Hugh freeze spread half field read offenses that, that led to just a, a ton of stats and a ton of production and he also is a is is the best dual threat quarterback in this draft, and, and definitely brings uh, brings a diamondism with his uh, with his legs. I think in twenty twenty he had just under a thousand yards rushing, and so I think he's probably the most physically gifted quarterback. But because the the offense he played in in college was so elementary, uh, there will be a learning curve because of the offense, and so. I think it could be a little bit like Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago where the Ravens took him, redshirted him essentially for a year. Uh, I, I think a, a team in the twenties could end up getting a steal if they have some vision and some uh, development. And my, the, the guy I think is going to be kind of like the Dak Prescott of this class, if you will, like a third round pick, a steady guy is, is Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter. Uh, he won, 
I believe, you know, over 40 games as a starter. I think he ended like 42 and five, uh, started for four years in his development really reminds me of how Dak developed at Mississippi state Adam. He came in as a guy who was kind of a dual threat, uh, a guy who could really run and uh, in, in really through development at Cincinnati turned into a, uh, turned into a just a, a dynamic and polished passer. He completed 65% of his passes last year, and obviously Cincinnati went on that, you know, remarkable undefeated run, and he will be character through the roof um, from his five years in college, and look, he's a, he's a winner with high character, and, and, and at the end of the day, once you get past that elite, elite talent, those are the, those are the traits that, uh, that franchises are looking for. He's a guy who's going to crush the senior bowl and, uh, and really do well in those interviews. I'm living in the head coaching general manager divisional playoff round world right now, but I will tell you this. I believe that Malik Willis will be the first quarterback picked in the draft in April. Hmm. How about that? Interesting. I, I, I certainly wouldn't argue with that because I think he's the most talented. Uh, it will be interesting to see if a franchise takes him as early as you're predicting, which I would think would be before 15. If they have the infrastructure, patience, leadership, and coaching staff to resist playing him right away. Because we've seen guys get pushed in early and really toil and not be able to recover from the early returns. So um, that will be an interesting franchise test. And uh, I, I let's let's put it this way: I, I think Penny Pickett will be selected before Malik Willis, but I would not be surprised if your prediction uh, comes true. Well, let's make our first friendly little wager. Let's, let's bet lunch. All okay. Right. Let's bet for lunch. good things about the ESPN cafeteria. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm saying that Malik Willis will be the first quarterback picked in the draft in April. You got Kenny Pickett as the first quarterback picked in April. We've got a recording right here. Yep. And we might revisit this topic right after the draft on this very podcast at that point in time. Can't before wait. I let you go, you are about to embark upon this new career journey, personal journey too, but a career journey. And I think back in talking to you, I'm reminded of many of the thoughts I had entering ESPN, the type of expectations I had entering ESPN. I'm curious as you embark upon this new era, what you expect during your time at ESPN and what you hope to achieve during your time at ESPN. So we could go back 13 years later, like I've been at ESPN for 13 years and play this and compare it to how it really turned out in the end, Pete. I expect to not bite my fingernails while on the set. I've already learned a lot. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I expect to, help the viewers and the readers enjoy college sports in a different way through information, through storytelling. And I expect to really, and hope to really utilize all the different arms of ESPN to help enjoy people, to, to help enhance people's enjoyment of college football, something I obviously love and am passionate about. And certainly fans are, uh, are passionate about. So I hope to sort of channel the energy of, of my passion and use the power of ESPN's reach and, all the talented people who, who will be there to uh, to help me along, um, and I'll need the help uh, to to you know tell great stories, to give good information, and to help make the games the games a little better, the characters a little more alive, and just kind of give people a window into this uh, zany world. And people will be seeing some of these stories on College Game Day this fall, right? Yeah, that's uh, that that's the plan. Let's uh, let's let's hope that uh, that I can uh, that I can come up with some good enough ideas and. Uh, you know, to, to, uh, to, to deliver to them. Cause nobody tells stories at ESPN better than college game. Day. I mean, it's just such an institution. And when they were talking to you, was that a part of the conversation? Hey, we want you to do these stories on college game day. 
So it it's still all a little bit nebulous, but contributing to college game day is, yeah. is definitely part and some of the allure of, uh, of what I'm looking at. And I want to be clear, like, I'm not going to be sitting next to Kirk on the desk. All right. I don't, <laughs> I don't want anybody to think like, you know, that, that, that I'm going to be like a, a fixture there, but uh, you know, as a, as a correspondent who pops in uh, there's a coaching change here an AD change here, right. a key injury there. Let's, you know, let's, let's scoot to uh, let's scoot to Pete and see what, you know, see what he has to say. So yeah, but that's, you know, that's certainly just a, an, an exciting notion to, you know, to, to be part of that, uh, part of that all-star cast. And uh, that's certainly one of the best operations at a place that has a lot of great operations. So I'm, I'm fired up for that. And uh, I can't make people cry like Rinaldi. So I'm a little bit nervous. Well, there, there's nobody that can make people cry like Tom Rinaldi. That, that, he's in a <laughs> class by himself. He's outstanding at what he does. Yes, but I'll tell you, was. I'll tell you a funny story about that. As you're talking about doing college game day, again, all these things come back to me as you're sharing these stories. So I get hired at ESPN and we reached agreement in the spring of 2009 about me coming aboard. And it shows you how dumb and naive I was back in the day because I agreed to come to work for ESPN knowing that they were launching this incredible a 9 a.m. sports center. They were going to put me on the 9 a.m. sports center. It was going to be the advent of the morning sports center. So that was a vehicle that allowed them to bring me aboard. But after we had reached an agreement, one of my bosses, Seth Markman, called me and he goes, hey, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have you do Sunday countdown, too. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm doing Sunday countdown? He said, yeah. <laughs> he said, we're going to put you on with more. I'm like, really? He said, yeah. The show I watched all during oh, my sure. childhood and all during my days covering that, I'm going to be on that show. Yes. Now, who takes a job? without knowing exactly what they're doing or that they're going to be including you on Sunday. Think about that. It's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> it, it speaks to how naive I was about everything going on, how little I knew about the business, how dumb I probably was in my negotiation, because if they're going to use me on there, you would think that I'd be worth more money then too, right? I could have asked for more money than they, than they gave me. So every part of it was dumb. And but the one thing at that time, Pete, I will say is that my nose hairs were were, were trimmed when I got hired at ESPN. Yeah, like yours. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they weren't like vines hanging out. I want to be clear, but it's clearly not up to up to up to snuff. So we're, we're working on that. One trim at a time. <laughs> well, welcome to the team. Thank you Thank for the you. time today. We really look forward to your work. You've done tremendous work at Yahoo, at Sports Illustrated, at the New York Times, distinguished reporter a human storyteller and scoop machine. Pete Thamel, thank you very much for the time today. Lots of luck during your time at ESPN and enjoy the orientation that I never got. I'll send you a scouting report of, uh, of, of what you missed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for such a warm welcome, Adam. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Christine and Sarah. For having me. Thank you, Pete. And there is the great Pete Thamel, who becomes the latest reporter to join ESPN. He will join forces with Woj on basketball, Jeff Passan on baseball and give ESPN another tremendous reporter, really happy. He's a part of our team now. And now we can begin to look ahead to this weekend's divisional playoff round, which to me is the best weekend of football all year. I know that conference championship Sunday is outstanding. We get two great games on one Sunday, but these are four great games over two days. And you could make an argument this weekend that anyone of these eight teams is capable of winning this weekend, next weekend, and the entire thing. They're all good enough, all eight of these teams. And that's what makes it 
such a compelling weekend where you can sit down Saturday afternoon, not leave your TV till late Sunday night and have the four teams that advance to the final four. But the elite eight to me, the divisional playoff round is the best weekend of NFL action all year long. And it starts with the Bengals and the Titans. And right now, is there a more exciting, dynamic young team in the NFL than the Cincinnati Bengals? They remind me a little bit of the Memphis Grizzlies in the NBA. All these young stars, all this offensive potential. It's the Bengals' first divisional playoff game since the 1990 playoffs when they lost to the Raiders. And Cincinnati hasn't advanced to the AFC Championship game since the 1988 playoffs. Think about what this would mean to that organization and this city, if the Bengals were to go. And they'll be going up against a tough, tough Tennessee team that we think, as we tape this Tuesday afternoon, should be getting back Derrick Henry, who's going to be in pads and practice this week. They'll see how he's feeling before they determine whether or not he's going to play. But hard to imagine that he's come this far and they're not going to play him. And Tennessee is such a tough out, especially with Derrick Henry back there. The Titans have won three straight games to finish the regular season and clinch the number one seed. They went six and three in nine games without Derrick Henry, six and three without him. Now, if they get him back, they are cruising and they are capable of beating anybody. And the Titans are the number one seed in the AFC for the third time since 1990. They lost their first playoff game in the divisional round the previous two times in 2000 and 2008 and get a tough Bengals team this weekend. And Saturday night, love this matchup. 49ers, Packers, the ninth playoff meeting between these two teams tied with the Cowboys and Rams for the most common playoff matchup in NFL history. So as much history as the 49ers and Cowboys have had in the postseason, the 49ers and Packers really have had more. The Packers have won three straight games in the divisional playoff round dating back to 2016, and they should be even better now getting back. Maybe Zadarius Smith rushing the passer. Maybe Zaire Alexander, a cornerback. They just got back David Bakhtiari in the final regular season game. So this is a Packer team that really should be rolling. And think about this. Aaron Rodgers right now has 45 career touchdown passes in the playoffs, which ties him with Joe Montana. Joe Montana for the second most in postseason history. Of course, we know who number one is. Packers have a lot riding on this. Supposed to be freezing in Green Bay on Saturday night. And the 49ers will be on a short week trying to get back Jimmy Garoppolo, who's got a shoulder injury, a thumb injury, Fred Warner, who's got that ankle injury, Nick Bosa, who's in concussion protocol. The Niners need those guys to have a chance to play with the Green Bay Packers this week. Sunday, first game that day, Rams at Buccaneers. Now, the Rams have won both games against the Buccaneers since Tom Brady got to Tampa. They beat them in week 11 last season, and then week three this season. So if there's one team that has really handled Tom Brady as well as the New Orleans Saints, it would be the Los Angeles Rams. Not a great matchup in the first round for Tampa, especially banged up along the offensive line. Still don't know whether the Bucs will have Tristan Wirfs at tackle. Don't know whether they'll have Ryan Jensen at center. Brady is 14-2 and two in his career in the divisional playoff round. He's won nine straight Divisional playoff games. Last loss in the divisional playoffs was in 2010 against the New York Jets. He doesn't lose in this round, but gets an opponent that I think is going to be up for this challenge. This is what the Rams have been built for. They've been waiting for this. And when I was in LA this past week talking to some Rams officials, they were telling me there was a different vibe around the team. Like they got to the postseason, and this is what everybody there had been waiting for. 
Another great matchup, Rams at Buccaneers. And then the last matchup of the weekend, divisional playoff round, the Bills at the Chiefs, two great teams, either one capable of going to the Super Bowl, winning it all. There's been a lot of meetings between these two teams. The Chiefs beat the Bills 38-24 in the 2020 AFC Championship game in Kansas City. This will be their fifth playoff meeting, and they've split the first four games. The Bills beat the Chiefs 38-20 in Week 5 in Kansas City this season when Josh Allen had four total touchdowns, and the 18-point loss was the largest at home during Patrick Mahomes' career. But Mahomes is also 3-0 in the divisional playoff round. This is a round that he's really owned, but Josh Allen is coming off the perfect game where the Bills had no interceptions, no turnovers, no failed series, no punts till the end. They were tremendous. So the Bills are on fire. The Chiefs are playing their best football. These two teams know each other well. The Bills head coach, Sean McDermott, was an assistant for 12 seasons under Andy Reid with the Eagles from 1999 through 2010. Another great matchup. And as we were saying, these are four great games. This is why this is the best weekend of football all year long. Four matchups to sit down and get ready for. Maybe some snow this weekend on the East Coast. Maybe some really frigid temperatures. So just sit down, get yourself nestled into your couch, and get ready for a full weekend of football. Before I let you go, please check out Swaggo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst Marcus Spears Swaggo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journeys with can't-miss conversations, and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swaggo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to thank my guest today, Pete Thamel, the new ESPN college football senior writer. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell. Her assistant, Sarah Abbott, for helping out here today and putting this whole podcast together. And you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we look back at the divisional playoff round and begin to look ahead to the conference championship round with the Fox NFL insider, Jay Glazer. Back-to-back insiders, back-to-back weeks, but Jay has a new book coming out. He's always a lot of fun to talk to, and we'll be joined next week by Jay Glazer. Until then, enjoy the games this week, everybody. Be well and stay safe.